Welcome to the Love is a Trip podcast, where two life coaches talk the ups and the downs of love. Come enjoy the ride with Ash and Dad. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Love is a Trip podcast. I heard y'all was asking about us, trying Dang to see it. where we were. <laughs> Look, shout out to self-care. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> life has been lifing i know for both of us the past yeah. what has it been a couple of months uh yeah i guess since our last episode was in september so yeah a couple months but we back y'all we back you know yeah we're back and we're good <laughs> you know sometimes you just gotta take time to focus on yourself if you're not feeling feeling it you know take the time take the take time it. i know Most i definitely. had talked on here about moving um, so I did end up moving and just the transition was a lot because I was living by myself and now I'm living with family, which I love my family. We get along great. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good setup, but still it's different. It's an adjustment that yeah. I was like, okay, I need to hold on, <laughs> hold yeah. on, give me some, give me some deep breaths or something. Like, let me see what's going on. No, you know what? That That's something to think about. So how do you navigate, and we'll get into the episode, but I just have this quick question. How do you yeah. navigate living by yourself and now living with family? How has that transition been? I mean, I think it's been pretty good because I do mm-hmm. have a good relationship with my family. Okay. It's really all about communication and, mm-hmm. um, you know, letting people know what you have going on or if you need something in particular. Um, my mom has been really great and she just messaged everybody involved, you know, in the moves and everything. It was like, you know, moving is stressful. It brings up yes. a lot of different feelings. Yes. You know, everybody handles it differently. So just be aware of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I really appreciated that. Just bringing that up because, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're all kind of moving and shifting around. So I appreciated that. So I think it's a communication, just tapping in with yourself, seeing if you need anything. Mm-hmm. Um, being okay with the time it takes for the yeah. transition and the adjustment, um, you know, and then still trying to carve out space for yourself. Like for me, that's, that's really important. So carving out that space and that time, figuring out what that looks like, you know, whether that's just like getting out on a walk or, you know, making sure my bedtime routine is set. Like mm-hmm. this is my time. Like, you know, yeah. it's not going to be social time for me. So yeah. So that, those are some things that have really been helpful for me. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get so, into it. Yeah, I'm excited about today's episode. <laughs> We're going to be talking about reality TV relationships and how they be a trip. A trip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've talked on here before about how much I really enjoy reality TV relationship shows. And I think it was earlier on where I said, hey, like the first seasons be good. Then right. y'all do too much. Three much, as Bay would say, y'all start to do three much and, you know, kind of ruin it. So I took a little break from them for a little while. Like I remember I was on, and I I feel like this happens with a lot of the shows. I remember I watched The Bachelor early on, Okay, Married at First Sight early on, Mm -hmm. and they started doing a lot. So I kind of took a break and have come back to some of them. Still not Married at First Sight. The seasons are way too long. The episodes are too long. Like it's, it's a lot, but. I did watch the most recent season of Love is Blind, um, yes, you know, because they too. shot it here. Yeah, yeah they shot it here in Houston. Yeah. Shout out to so, Houston. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess. 
Like, well, maybe not. I mean, I kind of feel like, based on my experience dating in Houston, you got a good picture of what dating in Houston looks like from that you show. Think so? I think so. I mean, you got your, you know, conservative folks with the American flags. Mm-hmm. Um, you got your kind of like fake deep people. Um, you got your undercover toxic people. Okay. Uh, you know, you kind of got your oblivious people. You got your desperate people. You got it all. I mean, and maybe yeah. not dating everywhere, but I feel like based on my experience <laughs> dating here, I, I was like, yeah, this is this is a good snapshot <laughs> of what it looks like. You know, but I feel like dating Houston, it's it's hard to really describe it because we're such a transplant city now. And yeah. so we have people that are here from different cities, different countries. And it's hard to say that really one box really fits Houston. It's just a, a, a hodgepodge of everybody. And it's kind of navigating around those different experiences and backgrounds of people that are bringing that to Houston. So... In some ways, I like the diversity of it. I like that you can get a little bit of everything here. So I think it's 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 kind of hard to really put it in like one way mm-hmm. or whatnot. But I feel like only one person made us look good, and that was Milton. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else was like, girl or dog, what are you doing? Like, yeah. stop now. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, shout out to my girl, Aaliyah. I, I appreciated well, her Aaliyah. journey. Yeah, as Aaliyah well, she went through a lot. On, she went through a lot on the show, like kind of being deceived, you know, having yeah. all this other stuff happening in the background and her not being aware. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I hated that for her, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I wish they would have said who actually is a native Houstonian versus mm. people that have just moved here. Because I think it's kind of, you know, a little yeah. bit deceptive to be like, oh, this is Houston, but some of these people haven't been here, but maybe a month or two. And it's like, right. uh, do you really represent Houston or are you represent Memphis, you know, or wherever? Right, right. <laughs> wherever. Or wherever. Like the one person, I don't remember her name. Yeah. But she was like, oh yeah, I think I'm getting ready to move here. Yeah. I might, I'm going to start this thing. I don't know. Right. I don't remember that person, but I was like, what, what's going on? <laughs> Right. I'm like, I need a show where it's like native Houstonians. Like, yeah, will you name in neighborhoods, high schools, colleges or whatever? Will you have a direct connection to Houston before I'm like, don't throw that Houston tag on us. Like, this exactly. ain't us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But this season, it highlighted some themes and kind of some reasons why I stopped <laughs> watching the show. Um, but there were a few things that kind of stood out. I mean, first, so when I initially watched the show, I was curious about why they had the pods episodes being like so long. There were so many episodes in the pods. Okay. Okay. I'm trying and to think, then, is that typical of the other seasons? No, 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 okay. it's not. It's not typical, but what has come out since the season aired, and again, it's been on, just like people talking on Reddit and online, um, there were a couple of couples who actually got engaged, but they didn't end up sharing their stories for various reasons. There was mm-hmm. one couple where there was like some alleged, you know, harassment or assault during the honeymoon. Oh, wow. So they didn't show any of their journey. And then there was one couple that did get engaged. It was Renee and Carter. We saw them, but they didn't show their journey Again, people are speculating that it's, you know, maybe because their relationship was problematic in some ways, or maybe that one of them had a spouse or a partner, maybe not a spouse, but a partner or something. 
so for whatever reason, they didn't really show their journey. But if you watch it, you kind of see them, um, the producers and the editing working really hard to not show them because they were Mm. actually at the dress fitting and tux fittings. Um, but they edited it to be like, they're there with the other people. And Carter, they really did not show him at all. You could see like the back of his head. So you could see that he was there, mm-hmm. but they did a lot to not show him. Wow. And so just knowing that that was going on in the background made me kind of like kind of disappointed with the show that they have to really work this hard to curate it um, in a way and eliminate people. I mean, I don't know. That's why the season really, it kind of dragged on for me. It um, did drag on. It did yeah. drag on. And at some point, I, I kind of got annoyed with it, but I felt like I've already started the journey, so I'm invested. So I got to see it through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, exactly. I really wasn't rooting. A lot of times when I do watch the, the reality TV shows that deal around relationships, I always have like that one couple I'm rooting for. At least one. At least one. I wasn't rooting for anybody. Like, I I was like, I want I want all y'all to break up. Like, I, I just wasn't, <laughs> I didn't want Milton to be with Lydia because I felt like Lydia was too old for him. I just felt like Lydia was on that show, you know, just because, like, in the words of Denzel, I'm going to leave here with something, you know? Exactly. I didn't feel exactly. Like, I didn't feel like it was genuine. I felt like as soon as she saw how tall he was and, oh, yeah, let me see this, you know, I'm like, you never really liked this guy, even in the yeah. first in the pod when she first met him she was like oh he's nice but you know he's not really gonna work for me now all of a sudden he's the love of your life like girl Mm -hmm. yeah I got the sense that she was genuine in her desire to be in a relationship and to be married yeah and she was gonna try to make that work with anybody you know yeah and Um, who wants that who wants to get married to somebody that's just like I'm just going to make it work with whoever like uh some people okay. do want that though when you think about it and how much um society has emphasized the importance of marriage um mm-hmm. you know even if you're if you're coming out of the church or not or you know just generally in the society because it is so patriarchal and has yeah. evolved around marriage some people have this idea in their mind that like I need to be married and they're very hyper focused on that idea and it's not always about like who is the person, right? It's just about this relation. I need this to be my relationship status. Yeah, I can see that. I think Lydia definitely fit into that. So uh, hopefully they live a beautiful life together and that, you know, the love continues to grow. But I just had a difficult time cheering for anybody on this season, especially I, I look at the season. I think it was last season with the, um, what's the couple that everybody loved? Brett and um, Tiffany. Yes, like everybody was rooting for them. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just so used to watching those shows and at least having one somebody that I'm rooting for their love story. And this one, I was just like, I'm rooting for this to be over. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like that whole season felt like a, a group, a group text that yeah. you got sucked into and just couldn't get out of. Like, yeah. please take me out of the group chat. I don't I don't even want to know. So Yeah, exactly. And a lot of it is because of what was going on in the background. They had a lot of footage they had to cut. You know, there weren't mm-hmm. a lot of group scenes. If you notice that, if you go back and watch or if you're um gonna start watching, there's not a lot of group scenes together because there are people that they had to cut out or yeah. decided to cut out. And so yeah, that that was interesting. What did you think about the situation with Uche and Aaliyah, like that whole thing, how they were. Well, so there was a, there was a lot and there was a lot there. There was a, a lot. lot. There. So let's, let's start with 
um, kind of early on in their relationships in the pods, we saw where she had talked about um, cheating on somebody before. And Uche had this really um, intense reaction. Very intense. Um, about that. Yeah. What did you what did you think about that? I thought it was insanely hypocritical, especially when he was asking her to be vulnerable and to express, you know, situations that she's had in relationships and lessons that she's learned. And the minute that she opened up to him, you know, he pretty much made her feel like like crap afterwards. And it it really crushed her. And it came across as very toxic, as very mean. Um, and it, it, it almost made him put himself in this like grandiose, you know, type of, uh, of, of level, like, oh, you know, because you did this, I, I don't know if I could deem you acceptable to be in a relationship with. And it was very off-putting. And then to find out later on the history between him and, and Lydia and all yeah. the issues that came about. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You, you've been cheating in your previous relationships too. And so now you're looking at her as if she's like the worst person ever because of something that she did when she was younger. Well, was she younger? I think she was, he was caught up on the fact that it was recent. Wasn't it that was, it or something? It was, I think it was relatively recent within okay. like the past few years, something like that. Yeah. So you're going to get upset with her about something that's recent when you got a whole uh, ex-girlfriend on the show that y'all had all these issues with and the biggest issue was her lack of ability to trust you and the way you were handling yourself. So it's like, yeah, this is really hypocritical here. So it really turned me off of Uche and just set up vibes of like, this is the, the, the like one-on-one of like gaslighting and, Mm -hmm. and just knowing that. And I was very, I was actually happy for Aaliyah that that happened on the show so that she didn't end up in a relationship with him where he was going to continue to play those mental games with her. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to love bomb you, make you feel good, make you open up only to use it as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Aaliyah dodged a bullet because if you look at the episodes where they came back and revisited, they did try to reconnect once the show was over that she left and he still put all the onus of what happened on her. Like, why did you leave? And, you know, why didn't you even talk to me? Everything was her fault. He never once took accountability for the things that he did and the, and the position that he put her in and not being mm-hmm. open and honest about his dirt, you know? So yeah, I was, I was good on Uche. I'm like, Mm-mm. Same, same. Yeah. Like you said, it really showed kind of what gaslighting looks like, you yes. know, like when you're thinking about, what you want um, and what's a good sign in a healthy relationship or a healthy start of getting to know somebody. You want somebody who's going to be able to accept your honesty mm-hmm. with grace, right? right. And not right. try to shame you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a huge, huge red flag. And just how she felt about it, you know, because I talk about red flags in terms of how do things make us feel. 
And like, she was now feeling like this shame and all of these feelings that like, you know, she had already addressed and gone through. She was honest about, you know, her human experience. She's human and made that mistake that she wasn't proud of. But for now, for him to drum up that shame, um, was not a good look was not a good look and so I was I was kind of surprised that she ended up going kind of back to him even in the pods right Mm -hmm. um but yeah I'm sure that also played into her decision to leave as well yeah and and you know what it really was a an an opportunity for us to kind of see the live in live form how that game of toxicity plays on the victim and how we get caught up in this circle because even when she saw hey this situation is messed up you know your ex-girlfriend is here you're trying to make me feel shame for something that I did and I was open to you about but she still was trying to recapture that feeling and that's Mm -hmm. how people that are that are narcissists that are you know toxic in relationships they keep you on that hamster wheel of hoping that what you saw initially in that person, you'll get back to it. And she still had a lot of hope. You know, she still, when they met at that restaurant, she still kept saying like, I still love you. Like I still want to be with you. And he was just like, you know, I don't think that's going to work. But even though she was the one that was wronged, she still was trying to make it work. She still Mm -hmm. was trying to figure out what do I do? How do I make it better? Just tell me what to do. And I think the audience was able to see this is how people end up staying in bad relationships. Mm-hmm, you know, it's mm-hmm. just that, that mind trick that those mind games that are played with you, that makes you think there is something in your power that you can do to change someone that at the end right. of the day has never been willing to change. But you think it's something that you can do to make the situation better yeah. when there's nothing that you can do. Right. And when the situation is already not good because of how that person is responding, right? Like it's there trying to keep you walking on eggshells so that, okay, you can only be in my good graces or our relationship can only be pleasant if you're doing what I want you to do. Yes. Right. And that like, that is a huge red flag. If you Mm -hmm. feel like you're always, you know, you're walking on eggshells and you're trying to figure out what you need to do, what you need to say for that other person to be loving and generous and graceful to you, you know, mm-hmm. whereas in healthy relationships, like people can be legitimately and genuinely upset about things. Right. But it's a difference um, between that, like, and responding in a way where you're trying to make the other person fix it versus mm-hmm. like communicating with a person, what you're feeling, right. and not taking it out on them and like mm-hmm. allowing your relationship to move forward in a healthy way. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting because we, I mean, we know these shows are staged, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, you know, we can scripted. take, yeah, very much <laughs> scripted. I mean, and because Uj has said like some of the conversations were edited in ways where it made, it seemed like he said things that he didn't say. He's like, oh, you see, that was a voiceover here or there. And so, but I think that what I appreciate about these shows is the opportunity to kind of take things from them and Mm -hmm. like you can kind of learn things even if they're fake situations you can actually learn some real life things um you know from from the interactions on the shows for sure right yeah because 
at, with the Uche thing and, and then in other episodes of different reality TV shows dealing with relationships, we've seen it before. This isn't the first time we've seen something like this, but it's just seeing someone to where the ultimate end to something is not about resolution. It's more about rejection, you know, and mm-hmm. when, when you're in relationships with people and you are having disagreements, when you see someone that the ultimate goal at the end of whatever it is that we're discussing, I want you to feel bad. It's not about resolution. It's not about right. peace. Mm-hmm. I want you to feel rejected. I want you to feel mm-hmm. hurt. I want you to feel like you'll never do this to me again. So it's not about resolution because when someone truly loves you and they're trying to come to a place of peace, the last thing I want is for you to feel bad because of something that you did. I just want you to say, okay, here is how I'm feeling. This was the this was the action that created this situation, but how can we together come to a resolution to where we don't have this happening? And it's not about, it's not about who's winning and who's not. It's about us working together for the betterment of the relationship. And if you can't feel vulnerable with someone, if you can't express how you feel, then that's not a safe space. That's not a good, healthy relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's see. What else? Anything else on Love is Blind you want to touch on? I want to talk about my guy, Gary, Golden Bachelor. We can move on to the Golden Bachelor because, you know, that's not one that I watched. I've seen clips and stuff on TikTok. So I'm I'm just sitting here waiting because I want you to go in and, 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 and talk about it because I have seen a few things. So I have a lot of questions. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me do my recap. And then, you know, you can ask me whatever questions you have. Okay. But, all right. So... One thing that was cool about The Golden Bachelor is I feel like it had this new like first season glow, right? Like the okay. reason that I like these shows a lot of times is because the first season it's novel. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to figure out what's going to happen and you really learn to like the people on the show. Um, and so that's definitely what happened here. Cause I've watched the bachelor, like some of the first seasons, um, very white, you know, <laughs> it was right, very, very white. So I definitely <laughs> stopped watching for several years. Then they had the first black bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay. I think that mm-hmm. was around 2016. Um, and they've had a couple of other black bachelorettes and they had a black bachelor. Um, so that kind of got me back into it. Um, and I watch it with my granny. That's kind of, that's our pastime. Oh, I love so, that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that too. And we, uh, the finale, the Golden Bachelor finale was last night. So we watched okay. it together. Um, and yeah, we've been watching this season together. And it, it's been really interesting to see, you know, people um, who are older on this journey of trying to find love. And like very early on, they had us really coming to like Gary, who was the Golden Bachelor. Um, he lost his wife a few years ago. Maybe it was, I think it was 2016, 2017. Um, and, you know, was on this journey to to find love, try to find that, that same love again. And so there are women on the show who had similar experiences losing their spouse. Um, some had been divorced and, you know, people just wanting to find love. And so I really enjoyed, it just felt very wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what's the know? age ranges on the show? Is it like 65 and up? Like, what are they considering? Yeah. What are they considering golden? Golden. Yeah. So The Bachelor, <laughs> he was 72. Okay, okay. Um and then the women on the show started around age 60. Okay. Um okay. and then I think some of the older ones are in their like mid to late 70s. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was the first thing I was curious about too. It was like, okay, yeah, he's golden, but who who are the contestants going to be? You know, what's, what's that, what's that vibe going to be? Yeah. So it was, yeah, folks starting around 60 and yeah, it was just really cool to see, um, you know, their interactions, them talking about their relationships over time and mm-hmm. wisdom and things that they've gleaned from it. So it just felt very wholesome. Okay. Um, one of the things, so I don't know if people are going to, I mean, I feel like I'm a spoilers ahead. Okay. So yeah, spoilers ahead. Just, so if you haven't caught up, go ahead and, you know, fast forward the episode until we get to the next segment for now. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. Right now, if you into the show, you, you should know you, who won by yeah, now. Yeah. You probably, yeah, you probably know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he got down to three women that he told and he told all of them he was in love with them. Okay. Now Gary, <laughs> what Jerry, what are we doing? You cannot be in love with three women at the same time, sir. What, what, what are we doing here? This is when I feel like my perception of Gary started to change. Oh. And I'm like, Oh, maybe Gary, Gary got some F boy tendencies. And still at the ripe old golden age. At the golden age of 72. 72 you still out here playing the games, Gary? Playing games and, you know, it was all under the guise of, oh, I'm just trying to be in the moment and that's how I feel at the moment. But I I don't know. I didn't like it because on on The Bachelor in particular and like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like people maybe know about the show, but if you don't know about it, the premise is there's one person um, who's dating. They start off with a pool of 30 people. They're trying to get down to one person to be engaged to at the end of the journey. And so they're getting to know them. They're going on dates. And I feel like early on, they were really careful about expressing those types of sentiments to people that they were dating. Um, Because, you know, you don't want to give people false hope that they're going to be the ones at the end. Um, So I think early on, they tried to avoid that. But in more more recent seasons, they've just kind of been going all in. Okay. Um, Which is, I mean, it's, it's really, it's interesting to see, but... Yeah, kind of depending on the way people do it, it kind of feels a little yucky. So Mm. with Gary in particular, um, with the top three women, there's one date he went on with a woman named Faith, and he was in her hometown meeting her family. Um, They were all kind of on the patio talking, and they just like leaned in for a kiss, and Mm -hmm. he was like, I love you, and she's like, I love you too. That was the first time they're like kissing, making out in front Mm -hmm. of her family. Wait, and then they made out in front of the family, in front of her family. Wow. Okay. Made out in front of her family, and then the next day he eliminates her. Wait a minute, Gary. (laughs) You gonna kiss the girl in front of her family, and then yeah, kiss her, profess your profess your love, and then eliminate her. I I felt some type of way about that. I'm not gonna lie. Gary is a whole savage out here. Yeah, but he had had this kind of like golden retriever, like kind of real innocent, like I'm just a guy from Indiana energy, you know, and then it's like, wow, like, are you just that oblivious or Mm. like what's going on? Yeah, that sounds like game. I'm going to play the nice nice guy game to get y'all all all to do what I want y'all to do. 
Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, the nice guy game. So, you know, at the end, the person he picked, her name is Teresa. They seem happy. Okay. Um, they're actually going to get married live in at the beginning of the year um, wow. on TV. Yeah. So they're like, you know, we might not have that much time. So we're going to go. Mean, that's true. <laughs> 72. The life expectancy is like, what, 75 of like Some, something like that. Yeah. yeah I mean, so you. Yeah, you never know, but yeah, they're gonna and go ahead and get married. Teresa, the one that Teresa, I think she's seventy. Okay, I think she's seventy, seventy-two. Okay. So yeah, so they're gonna get married live on TV. Well, so a couple days before the finale aired, this article came out um, it, from the Hollywood Reporter that was mm-hmm. talking about Gary's essentially dating life after his wife died because okay. on the show. They kind of tried to make it seem like he hadn't been in any serious relationships since his wife died, but apparently mm-hmm. that's not the case. Oh. There's there has <laughs> been someone that has come out and said, "Yeah, we dated actually, and we started dating a month after his wife died." Okay, and wow. um, yeah, yeah, and we were in a relationship. Gary was in the streets, which is like, you know, <laughs> it's funny because watching with my granny, she was like, well, you know, they always say, you know, just go to the wife's funeral and see. You know, <laughs> granny is right. My mom says that all the time. She was like, you go to the funeral and the the widowed husband is like, hey, slide on in, sis. It's your opportunity. Well, and especially like they were married 40 something years. If you're just used to being with somebody, like I can see how you might just try to fill that space. But, you know, and this was just this one person's description. Like Gary hasn't said anything about their relationship, but it was honestly kind of weird. The article was saying, um, she said that, you know, it was kind of a long distance relationship at first. It was a five hour commute. Um, that mm. they, so she was driving up to this lake house. There was a lake house that he had bought with his wife maybe a month or so before she died. So okay. she was driving up to the lake house, spending time with him and eventually moved in. Um, and then things got kind of weird because he started asking her basically for money. Like, okay, well now you need to split the rent here. Um, they would also go Dutch. Um, when they would go out to restaurants, but he would have her send him the money in advance so that he would pay the bill. So he would oh, look like wow. the man oh. or whatever, but still having her like pay for her part, which is just really strange. Yeah. Um, but then she says they ended up breaking up because he had, I think he had a class reunion and she was planning to go and he's like, well, I can't take you looking like that. And I guess she had gained some weight and oh. Yeah, so then they, you know, he ended up kicking her out. And anyway, this is all like what's alleged in the article. Again, he hasn't responded to that. The Bachelor, they try, they don't typically address rumors like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just interesting. It just kind of reiterated a couple things for me. One is that like you just never really know who somebody is in their relationships, right? No matter how much. Um, people put on a facade or whatever about their relationships in public or who they are. You honestly never really know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So again, it's reality TV. We know they stage things. Things are fake. They want us to, they want to make us feel a certain way, which is kind Mm -hmm. of why I like it. I'm like, I'll be all in, you know, I'll be all in on it. Now was granny 
how did Granny feel about the final pick? Like, what was her thoughts on it? Well, you know, so with with final pick with Teresa, she had some interesting moments along the mm-hmm. season. My Granny said she was like kind of kooky, was like putting on this kooky act or something during the show. So there was one incident during the season where she was talking to somebody else. Um. Oh, no, this is what happened. She had went on a one-on-one date with Gary early on when mm-hmm. on the show, just like the one-on-one dates are pretty coveted and was talking a lot about that with the other women in the house. Mm-hmm. And so one of the women told her to zip it. She's like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I also want to date and spend time with this man. I don't want to hear about that. Zip it. Right. So then Teresa went back and told Gary, like, yeah, this person, she went and snitched. Yeah, this this person told wow, me to zip that's it. that's what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes on The Bachelor, when people go back and snitch about things happening in the house, both people just get eliminated, right? It's like, yeah. I don't want this drama or whatever. Right. But, you know, um, he ended up just eliminating the other person who told her to zip it. He's like, I don't know. I don't like that. Um, mm. And yeah, so it was kind of weird. It was like, you being a snitch over that, Teresa, just right. let her have like, her feelings. So she was, you know, a, a little weird and just seemed very thirsty um, mm. overall, um, like really all into him. And, you know, just, it was just only about him. It was like, what is your life outside of that? You know, I couldn't really tell. Some of that information came out towards the end. And I'm like, all right, I see. You know, she talked about her career as a financial investment um advisor or manager something like that and you know that's also interesting thinking about like gary with the money um mm-hmm. allegedly in this other relationship right. and now like knowing she has money it's like hmm, i wonder if that swayed him so uh-huh. yeah granny was like i don't know granny thinks she was also playing this kooky act and this kooky thirsty thing to try to mm-hmm. get him yeah, so she got him she got him man. yeah she did <laughs> i mean and i guess they look happy okay all right. Well, yay for them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see yay what happens. Them. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yay for them. <laughs> but you never really know what's going on in people's right. relationships. Yeah. Um, and I think like that's something we should think about, you know, especially when we tend to idolize relationships and say like couple goals and things like that. Yeah. You literally never, never ever know. Never know. Mm-hmm. Right, like people that we've seen getting divorced this year, you know, like with Tia and Corey. Man. I mean, there were there were kind of some clues with that with Tia yeah. and Corey. Yeah, um, you know, Amon Shumpert and Tiana Taylor. That's another one. We're like, for real. Now, that one shocked me because I, I thought their vibes seemed to match. You know, and you know, everybody talks about that, uh, getting a reality show when you're couples, how it's like the worst thing to do. I Mm. thought they were going to be the one couple that had a reality show that was going to make it because I never watched their show. Did you watch it? I did. It was really cute. And Tiana was very careful with, I'm only going to have this last for so long, maybe like one or two seasons. And then we're out. Like it wasn't, it was never anything that was supposed to go a long time. I thought the kids were cute. I I love me some Junie. Junie is my girl. Like mm-hmm. I follow Junie on Instagram. Junie is a whole vibe. Okay. And I just thought they worked really well, like their personalities. But again, it's like you said, you just never really know the, what people are presenting to us may not really be them in real life because I just really assumed that, 
things were good with them. It, it yeah. seemed like, you know, Iman was kind of cool with Tiana's different personalities and her different desires, you know, even sexually, you know, she expressed her bisexuality with him and he was like, Hey, it's all good with me. I don't care. I'm cool. It mm-hmm. just seems like they had a good vibe. So when Tiana came out and talked about how she felt like he was a narcissist and he played manipulative games that she always felt like she had to kind of play down to him. I'm like, well, this guy played in the NBA. He made millions of dollars in the NBA. Like, but I know that when you play professional sports, once the lights go out and you're not used to a world where you no longer hear the crowd yelling your name, when you're no Mm -hmm. longer in this kind of fraternity of men where you guys are playing games and trying to win championships once that life is over the transition is very difficult I remember Charles Barkley talking about that and saying that he felt like the NBA the NFL and other professional sports leagues should do a better job of helping athletes in that transitional period when they retire Mm -hmm. or when just like their careers end because it is hard to navigate when Mm -hmm. you're used to being the man you know you're used to walking into clubs and people like, Oh my God, Hey, you're here. And then Mm -hmm. once you're no longer that guy. And now when they got together, he was definitely more that guy when he got with Tiana. And then once his career ended and he wasn't playing on any more teams, her star started to rise and that's where the issues came. And it just didn't seem like Iman was that caught up in ego that he would just be like, Hey, you know, you make money. I'll make money. We good. It's right. like he made a lot of money. Unless he just has poor spending habits, that money should still be there, bro. Like I think that I think I read somewhere he made like upwards of forty million dollars in his NBA career. So I'm like, we're yeah. not talking somebody that was riding the bench on an NBA minimum. This man had money, so mm-hmm. that was a shock for me. So yeah, yeah. But again, you know, it just goes back to like I think with these different situations, like between you know reality tv just relationships generally in the media we can take things that would be helpful i think mm-hmm. but also like not try to aspire to be like someone else we should right. really focus on what do we want the dynamics in our relationships yeah. to be you know yeah. how do we how do we want to feel in our relationships not just how do we want to look to other people how do we want to look like this other couple how do we want to do this like them no how do we want to feel in our relationships right Right. just take that and know that relationships are hard you know yeah yeah I mean because at the end of the day we're human you know Mm -hmm. and as humans we change even Mm -hmm. when you're in a relationship you continue to evolve and sometimes that evolvement has you go in two separate directions and love is freedom and it's also choice and Mm -hmm. every day we wake up we're choosing to love someone we're choosing to stay and sometimes you have no control on someone waking up one morning and saying, you know what? I don't choose to be here anymore. It's yeah. A tough reality, but yeah, it's kind of what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's the reality we learn from reality TV. <laughs> exactly. I see what you did there. I like how you see? wrapped that up. See? see, I like that. See? I like that. Love it. Love it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Coaching corner. What you got for us? Right for the coaching corner today, you know, this is the one, it's my favorite time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, it's when we just don't get me started on the Christmas music. (laughs) 
it it is we're recording this this december 1st so mm-hmm. i'm fully into it i was listening to my christmas music when i was cooking for thanksgiving hey but I'm, and it, look i'm into it my kids are already into it especially my oldest jackson he's he decorates his room okay we not only have the christmas tree he requests special decorations for his room he has a mini that. christmas tree in his room he's got garland he's got lights okay now, jackson does not play about being festive his room is that. decorated for every hop for Halloween, for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. That's, that's cool. Yeah, like he's that. all about like that. that. So, so as we're getting into the holiday season, one thing that we all have to deal with, especially people that are going through divorce or either are freshly off a divorce or freshly off a breakup or just dealing with certain things, we're going to be around family. And how do we navigate the difficult conversations that come up and just how we navigate the feelings of just holiday stress, you know? And so I think the first thing that I coach when I tell my clients is the first thing to, to realize that you are not alone. You know, the, the feelings of anxiety or just feeling like, you know, I don't want to deal with this, you know, these things that there it's normal to feel that way, to not feel like there's something wrong with you for, you know, feeling like I'm just not in this holiday spirit. I'm not in the mode, but just to understand that that's normal, but there are ways that you can cope. And one of the first things I tell them is just to create a reclaiming my time statement. Okay. We all got this from our, from the girl Maxine, but we always have those well-meaning family and friends that will naturally attempt to engage you in discussing the details of your breakup, of your divorce. They want to ask about how your little friend doing, you know, if it was somebody that you brought the year before that's no longer around. I tell my clients, be ready you know, with your preemptive statement to stop that conversation dead in its track so that you aren't re-traumatizing yourself. So you can say something as simply as, you know what, right now, I do not have the emotional bandwidth to speak on that matter at this time. And then move on. They can't say anything else to that. And a no is a complete sentence. So you don't have to go in into why you don't want to talk about it. You don't go after the details. Just simply say, you know what, right now is a good time. I just want to enjoy you and enjoy my family and eat a good meal and then move on. But practice that statement so that the moment that that situation comes, you're already ready with reclaiming my time. You know, I'm not going to allow anyone to bring, bring that in. I love that. I Giving get, people a script. Yeah, get a script. Start thinking about what you're going to say, you know, because you don't want to ruin relationships. And some people are asking you things. They're well-meaning. It's, they're not trying to you know, hurt you or anything, but it's just some people's natural. Some people just nosy, you know, mm-hmm. genuinely. And some people just may be curious as to you brought somebody around. Maybe they liked them and was like, Hey, well, why, where's so-and-so that you brought the last time they were cool, you know, and just simply be prepared as to how you're going to address that. So as you, if you already know what you're going to say, it reduces that, ang- that level of anxiety when you're getting ready to walk in. You're like, Oh, I already know. I got three different statements that I'm going to say. And depending on the person that asked me, I'm going to pick which one I'm going to say. And the next thing is just to prepare your emotional exit. And, you know, the holiday times, we're with our families, you know, we're doing our traditions, we're filling our stomachs up and getting ready. But sometimes there can be emotional triggers in these gatherings that, you know, don't include you arriving with your usual family unit. You know, if, if you were married with kids, now you're showing up without the kids. The kids may be with the father that year, you know, so it's just giving yourself the emotional grace to know that when you start to feel feelings of 
I miss being here with my kids or this doesn't feel like I want it to feel, it's okay to leave. You know, you don't have to sit through that. If you feel like this is too much for me, it's okay to slide onto the side and make your to-go plate a few hours early. Don't feel like you have to sit through these things just because, oh, this is the family tradition. No, we need you emotionally healthy so that mm-hmm. you can be around for the next family tradition. So and maybe that means not even going too. And right? maybe that means not even going. And that brings up not, my number three was sit this one out. Okay. Sit with yourself and and just be honest. Check with yourself maybe a week, maybe a a day, even an hour before you leave. Check with yourself. Breathe and really ask yourself, can I handle this? Can I do this? You know, can if if somebody asks me something, am I going to snap off? I may not be able to say the reclaiming my time statement because my reclaiming reclaiming my time statement won't turn into I'm cussing granny out. And we don't Uh want you. Oh, granny. We don't want you to cuss granny, auntie, you know, cousin. We don't want anybody to feel the emotional blowback of how you feeling just because maybe it was just too soon. So a couple of days, like I said, even if it's an hour before, even if you have to sit in the car, play some music that will calm your spirit or whatever, just get yourself ready. And if you can't go, it's okay to just say, you know what, I can't come and call somebody at the house and say, hey, bring me a plate. Tell them what you want. Have them bring you a plate. If you got to say you sick or something, use that. But don't put yourself through something that could be emotionally taxing and could um, take you back on your healing journey. It could be a backtrack. You may have come so far and now this one terrible moment with your family sets you back in the healing process. So put your emotional health number one sit it out. If it doesn't feel good, you usually, you'll have a physical response to it. If you're dreading going, don't go. Okay. And the last thing is just breathe. You know, it's, it's, it's something that a lot of people don't realize is so effective. Just that breath work. You know, if you feel somebody says something to you, you got there and you were feeling good. And once somebody said something, go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, take a walk, breathe, pull yourself together, come back. But don't, don't, um, don't put it at the bottom of what the priority is when you turn, when you're talking about what you can do physically to get yourself through something. And sometimes it's just taking a couple of breaths, breathing, even before you respond, you know, somebody asks you something just, okay. All right. Now I can respond to you in a place of peace. (laughs) So those are my, my top things that, you know, I just tell people to, to work through those things, you know, and if you need help before, call your therapist, schedule a session before you get ready to go. Call your coach and say, hey, can I get a quick session in just to talk through maybe some tips or things that I can do to manage myself better because I do want to go. I don't want to skip it out. So just do those things to help yourself be better prepared so that you can have a good, happy, healthy, emotionally healthy holiday season. Thank you so much for that. That's super helpful to think about, you know, how can we prepare going into something, right? Mm -hmm. And not just always being so reactive to things. Yes. Like help us prepare, you know, Mm -hmm. and it might be great and, you know, healing for you and you don't have to use your scripts that you prepare. Um, But just kind of knowing going in and being aware, like this might be 
a trigger um, and just, just being ready for that. I think that can definitely help people, like you said, continue to progress on their, their healing journeys Yeah. Um, and find, find some type of joy during this yes. time. Yes. That's what it's all about. Love and joy. Love that. <laughs> all right. So now we've got our window aisle seat segment. Mine's yeah. a little heavy, so I don't know if you want me to go first. Right or <laughs> okay okay well you know what okay I'll, you go first because mine is light so we'll, we'll hit you okay, with the heavy so, we'll end with the light okay so, you go so let's do that let's do that so this <laughs> is not even an aisle seat I feel like these people can catch a ride and you might have to grab hold to the landing gear on the plane oh or wow not the landing gear <laughs> girl but so <laughs> This this place is going to go to basically everybody who's supporting genocide right now. Mm. Um, I feel like part of what's contributed to some of the heaviness for me over the past few months is really learning and having my eyes open for the first time um, to like really what's going on with the conflict um, in Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of before this like most recent surge... I was always kind of confused about mm. what was happening. I think part of that is because, you know, I grew up in the church um, with the evangelical kind of leanings. And so it's always like, OK, you know, Israel, that's like God's people. And, right. you know, not really understanding the historical context there, but now really seeing the reality of what's going on, which is that people have been displaced from their land and systematically dehumanized, stripped of human rights, um, and are now being killed. You know, it is, it's really, really heavy. And so, you know, it's been disheartening to see so many politicians and, you know, elected officials in particular, straight up ignoring what we're saying, because, In in a lot of ways, what I've seen, like there, most people don't want that to be going on, no, right? But no. there's just this feeling of powerlessness that has been kind of hovering over me when I see like, man, the majority of people don't actually want this, but the people that have the power to stop it aren't interested in doing exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just thinking about kind of moving forward and taking care of myself and my community community and advocating for change, knowing that like the same people that are causing that to happen, they're in charge of us here, right? right? right. <laughs> they're in charge of us here. And that those types of ideologies and practices, they're not limited by borders, right? Like yeah. it's the same type of hate that caused slavery here and, you know, segregation and systematic discrimination that like that continues to happen. Yeah. And so, yeah anybody that supports that like seriously like you the plane is about to leave like you can catch like you might have to grab onto a wing and be outside (laughs) and see if you can hold on while we take off right because because that's kind of that's how I'm feeling now but I will say for anybody who's interested in learning more about what's going on I know there's a lot of on social media a lot of hot takes and that can kind of be overwhelming but I read a book with um, a group uh, this past uh, week, actually, called um, "Except for Palestine" by Mark Lamont Hill. Um, it outlines um, kind of like what's going on. Um, it's it's a very it's it's a short kind of readable book about 
the the conflict and kind of like from a progressive political standpoint so mm-hmm. if anybody's interested in learning more being educated about what's going on i would say that's a good one to check out that's also available on spotify audiobooks i know okay. some people have premium spotify you can listen to it it's like a six hour listen um very digestible but um yeah that's where i'm at <laughs> i feel you on that i feel you on that now my light one <laughs> My window seat goes to my daughter, Caitlin. Um, She just recently had her birthday. She is officially a teenager. So I got two teenagers in the house. Jackson and Caitlin are now both teenagers. And she and I went out and celebrated her birthday. We went to Kindred Stories and participated in a a collage workshop. So we made our own little collages and it was really cool. We had a a lot of fun. And then her favorite thing to eat in this world is pizza. So we left from the collage workshop at Kindred Stories. And for those that don't know, Kindred Stories is a Black-owned bookstore here black in woman-owned bookstore, black, yeah. yes, black woman-owned bookstore here in Third Ward, and they do wonderful events in the community and bring in amazing authors um, to give talks and to give speeches about things going on in our community and things that affect us. So uh, it was wonderful to be involved in that. And afterwards, we went, we had pizza, and we had some time to just really connect. With me having three children, it's very important for me to do things with them individually. Because, uh, you know, when you have multiples, you tend to do everything together as a family just because, you mm. know, hey, we all easier. together, everybody yeah. loads up. So I'm very intentional with carving out time with each of them. And we know as women, when you get to 13, it's it's a kind of that different stage to navigate because you're trying to figure out who am I? What do I like? What's my style? You're really trying to come into your womanhood and figure out what makes sense for you and, Child, and really still just figuring that out. <laughs> like, right, right. But that's, but that's when it starts. <laughs> but that's when it starts. And so we had a really good conversation of just asking her how school was going. How did she feel? She's at a new school, which has been a bit of a transition because the school that she was at before was 100% African American. And so in this particular school, it's maybe three or four of them, maybe three, maybe five-ish or so in her class that look like her. So just navigating friendships with people that don't look like her, that don't understand her, that, you know, my daughter has very thick hair, you know, with them making comments about her hair or, you know, she does not like to wear skirts, she wears pants. So just navigating around that and having to explain to her what womanhood means, um, who can say what femininity looks like and how you can define what femininity femininity feels like for you. I'll Mm -hmm. let her know that, Hey, I didn't like wearing skirts when I was your age either. And just making her understand that doesn't, that doesn't mean you're a boy because you know, you want to wear pants. That just is what you want to wear. You know, clothes have nothing to do with how you identify yourself as when it comes to gender. It's all about what you feel in, in your heart and how you choose to present. And so we talked about that and, and it, it was a really good conversation because one thing I want her to do is always have confidence in who she is and to always be a leader. And I told her, you know, it's always good to stand out. You know, it's, you don't want to follow the crowd. The crowd is normally not going the right way. So always define your own path, your own journey. And she was like, oh, no, mommy, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I know who I am. And I'm like, that's my girl. That's what I'm good talking about. Yeah. So. 
my window seat goes to her and I'm just hoping that I can continue to be a good guide for her so that she will maintain that confidence and know that it's good not to look like everybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Love that. Again, if you're taking applications for new kids, <laughs> my birthday is coming up. So, you know. I got you. You easy to take care of. You can already <laughs> take care of yourself. So, yeah, come on. Child number can four. I know? <laughs> I'll be wondering some days. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, all right, everybody. I think that's our episode. So thanks y'all for hopping back in with us and staying in tune, asking us where we've been. We appreciate it. Definitely love to hear from y'all. So definitely feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or leave comments here, wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear from y'all. Yep. And until next time, enjoy the trip.